0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Got a great program uh, today. We'll be talking uh, with an app developer. His name is Jonathan Wegner. He has developed the Lumo app. This is a great app for iPad users that have kids that uh, blends the, the best parts of kind of the analog world, drawing with like a pencil or Sharpie and your iPad the digital side it's it's a really cool app we will also be chatting with our good friend ken weston from the infotech research group all about uh, windows 11 coming up this fall recent uh, announcements over the past couple weeks uh, basically saying that older computers might not be able to be easily upgraded to windows 11 well he's going to tell us which ones are and which will not and whether you should care i think that's the important part that is the big important part and we're going to be answering an important question we probably all use the alarm on our smartphones i use it on my iphone all the time to try to get up in the morning and i use the snooze feature on that Mm
1: -hmm. and it's always nine minutes it's not just on your smartphone though your 20 year old
0: clock radio was always nine minutes as well with the little flippy numbers oh yeah So why is it 9 minutes? And why is it still 9 minutes? Well, you'll have to tune in. We have an answer for that. Let's look at some of the app and mobile uh, news uh, right now, John. Uh, Apple, and we talked about this on uh, one of their last uh, events, they're allowing states now, and any jurisdiction, to actually put identification into the Apple Wallet. I use the Apple wallet all the time. I've got my credit cards in there, my debit cards. I've got my Cineplex card in there, boarding cards when I'm uh, traveling. Well, you'll be able to soon, depending where you live, be able to have your driver's license securely and digitally on your iPhone. You won't have to carry a physical copy of it. can't wait. (laughs) We'll probably be waiting for a while in BC here. I think it takes like 10 years for any innovation to come to to our province. But there are uh, a few states that are going to be rolling that out this year. I think uh, you've got the list here, John. Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia. Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah. And so think about this. You know, I've got... S- my pockets are full of stuff all the time because I don't carry a purse or you've got a little man bag. Well, in the summertime when I in- wearing shorts. <laughs> okay. It's a fanny bag. Yeah. And I hate carrying a wallet. I hate it because it's just stuff with all the stuff. Well... I've actually reduced the size because I don't carry as many credit cards and debit cards anymore because I typically got them in my iPhone. Uh, but being able to have my driver's license on my iPhone would be just amazing. Mm-hmm. And eventually one day, our passports would be super cool, but I think we're a few years away from that. Yeah,
1: well, this might be the the start of that.
0: Anyway, uh this is coming up uh, this year. The Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, will let travelers use an ID stored in the wallet at some of the security checkpoints and lanes at certain airports, being your driver's license down in the U.S.
1: You would kind of think, though, that this would need to be a federally mandated thing, right? Yeah, you would think. because I
0: mean, you're But still... the TSA is a federal.
1: No, I know that, but they're saying certain airports. So, yeah. so you're still going to have to carry it if you're traveling across country.
0: That's the problem.
1: Or if you don't know... Where you're going to be going and that type of thing, right? So, yeah, I, I think this needs to be an all or
0: nothing kind of thing. So, the problem though, John, is like you get pulled over now. Yeah. And your phone's dead.
1: Well, that would be a problem. But if you're in your car, hopefully you have a charge cable.
0: Yeah. Or the cop does. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? I'm sorry, officer, can you charge my phone, my driver's license on it? So, he's going to spend five minutes charging it in his car. He'll probably just give you, He'll just give you a, ticket. a ticket for failing to produce uh, a driver's license. What else we got in the news? Uh, there's an app, John, uh, a COVID-19 detection app that can listen to coughs and tell uh, whether they're COVID-19 coughs or not. And they say it's 70% accurate. And this is out of the University of Calgary. That's, that's impressive pretty good right
1: well because you hear people coughing and everyone automatically now oh my god COVID, yeah
0: right oh yeah like if you're in a restaurant and you start coughing for any reason yeah I just feel like oh my god the pitchforks are gonna come out well we were in a restaurant yesterday for lunch oh my god yeah the poor gentleman behind us
1: was not having a good day
0: no and and you know what you, you get nervous right yeah now we can pull out this app <laughs> <laughs> it's like Spotify for COVID S- sir you need to see a doctor immediately <laughs> And Put that mask on, please. Uh, But yeah, this is kind of cool. Again, uh, Canadian researchers uh, are uh, developing uh, this and 70% accuracy is is pretty cool. That's, yeah, I mean, at least to take you to the next
1: stage of like, okay, maybe I do need to see a doctor.
0: Okay, what else we got in the news uh, there, John? Uh, We're uh, also uh, looking at LinkedIn. They're shutting down their stories feature after a year and so for the listeners that don't know what a story is explain basically it's a short form video sort of made popular by
1: instagram reels or tiktok Um, facebook has them facebook has them everybody seems to have them now and when linkedin announced this i think we both said why yeah because that's kind of like the last place you want that although i will say like on tiktok one of my favorite things is learning stuff uh so i could see that you know if you're an expert on something you could have a short little video sort of tease what you're all about or what you're an expert in on linkedin but it doesn't matter because linkedin's getting rid of it
0: it's funny you know i i i go on facebook many times a day and you've got me addicted to TikTok now
1: yes you're welcome
0: jerk but i just i don't visit linkedin that often i go there if I need to find out something about someone,
1: yeah, when we're hiring somebody or we need to check out with, say, a partner that we're going to work with,
0: yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't think LinkedIn, LinkedIn is as sticky. I'll use that term as a Facebook or Instagram that you're constantly going to all the time. I know some people use LinkedIn a lot, but I it just for me and I, you know I know a lot of people that use it, it. It's kind of the same. We're just kind of going there to to get something, to get some information.
1: Yeah, it's like the. It's like the gas station you go there to get food because you're you just need to <laughs> versus going to the grocery store to get a better selection
0: exactly, yeah. anyway, so no big surprise uh, there uh, you're listening to the app show right now we're talking about some of the uh, the app and mobile news uh, out out in the world uh, right now. This is a, another big rumor I think uh, Apple will be having some type of announcement coming up in September. They typically do. Might be a new iPhone. And rumors are that they're developing a new iPhone emergency messaging feature that could potentially use satellites or satellite, like like a satellite phone. Yeah, so the idea
1: is like when you're in the backcountry, you don't have cell service, you could get a message out using some type of satellite technology. But, you know, these are rumors, and I always... You know, put an asterisk beside these rumors because sometimes they're from prolific bloggers that all they do is write about rumors and they're just trying to get people to click on those links. And, you know, they kind of won in this one because we clicked on the link and we,
0: we, <laughs> we sure did. We read about the rumor. Yeah.
1: We've also got a lot of friends. We've got a, a, a good friend of the show, Peter Vogel. He's all about this. Yeah. He's actually probably excited. He might even switch to an iPhone over this if it's, you know, if it comes true because he's a big satellite nerd.
0: And Peter, if you're listening, we're going to stick you out in the forest somewhere. and <laughs> <laughs> get you to call us. <laughs> Where there's no cell service and, and see if it works. Um, I'm, I'm teasing. Um, but yeah, that would be kind of a cool safety feature, don't you think? Especially here in Canada.
1: Absolutely. Well, whenever you have a smartphone and you don't have cell service, apparently you can still make an emergency call somehow. Yeah. I don't know how that works. If you don't have cell service or you don't have a SIM in your phone.
0: Might be, uh, maybe there's an eSIM and we'll have to look that up. Yeah. Being the tech guys. We should probably know that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But
1: yeah, like I said, it's a rumor.
0: Um,
1: It's not going to be a true satellite phone um, because generally when you see those, they're giant, they have giant antennas and stuff. Yeah. Right. But this is supposedly, you know, potentially could work with some
0: low earth orbit satellites. Yeah. Like Starlink, which we've talked a lot about, uh, Elon Musk's satellite uh, network. And yeah, those are lower in in the sky so that I could see kind of working. Yeah, and you,
1: you would have line of sight from the top of a mountain or wherever you're lost.
0: Yeah, it's interesting in the future, you know, as more of these low earth satellites uh, come into play like Starlink and, you know, Amazon's getting into that game as well. What will that do to the telecoms? Like, I know it's highly regulated right now, you know, in all countries, Canada here, we got the CRTC telling us and the telecoms what to do. But will it get to a point where th- those satellites could be used?
1: I sure hope so. I mean, do you remember um, Google's, was it Project Luna? That they were going to have blimps around yeah. to deliver internet. F- yeah, balloons. Well. Balloons, yeah. 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 I mean, they've since mothballed that project because I think... <laughs> yeah, what
0: could go wrong, right? right. <laughs> Hindenburg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Starlink makes a lot more sense for something like this, right? Yeah. But again, it depends on what kind of bandwidth you can get because we're all enjoying like 5G right now and it's, yeah. you know, it's in some cases it's faster and better than your home internet.
0: Yeah, but at a certain point, like, for, for mobile use, you know, for a lot of people, will they care, like, as far as speed is concerned. If they can get, like, cell phone service with data yeah. for, like, 20 bucks a month, like, will they care that it's not, like, 5G speed? Probably like,
1: not. No. As long as it's good enough and doesn't yeah, feel like Yeah, you can good watch
0: stuff. YouTube videos, you can web surf, send your emails, like, who cares?
1: Yeah. Well, and if it works everywhere, I mean... That's like the holy grail. And for cheaper. In theory, yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if that can become something. Because I know that, you know, currently with the Starlink system, you know, it, it's got a threshold of like how much, yeah. yeah, how many things can be hooked up to it at, at once. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and also... So like then suddenly putting on 100 million phones, that, that might bring the whole thing down.
1: Or it becomes a thing that is maybe more expensive and it's, the, the price is the filter.
0: Okay, you are listening to The App Show. We're going to have to take a break when we come back. It's an awesome program, so you got to stay tuned. Uh, we'll be telling you why the snooze on your phone alarm is always nine minutes. And will Windows 11 work on your old computer? You'll find out back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. We're going to talk to an app developer that we've uh, chatted with uh, before. His name is Jonathan Wegener. He is a man behind uh, PearPlay, a great augmented reality story-driven app for uh, iPhone users and AirPod users, and also TimeHop. Uh, He's on the line today to talk about uh, another app he's developed for kids called Lumo. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: First off, I have to say, I freaking love this app. It is just amazing. If you've got kids and uh, looking for something creative for them to do, this is the app to have because it blends the best of both worlds. Technology with the iPad and uh, drawing with uh, a pencil or a fine-tipped Sharpie. Uh, Explain to our listeners what Lumo is all about.
2: Yeah, Lumo is guided drawing. The way it works is you put a piece of paper over the iPad screen. The screen is mostly dark except for a glowing dot or line. And you take a pencil or pen and you trace that line. And as the lines start to move and you trace more and more, you bring a drawing to life in front of your eyes. And all the while you're hearing this very beautiful audio story. And so you're basically drawing an audio story on a real piece of paper on top of your iPad, kind of like a light box.
0: You essentially have to tape that that piece of paper though to the iPad so it doesn't move around, right?
2: Exactly, you tape the corners on and then you, works best in the dark room so you can kind of see the, the glow of the iPad very clearly. Um, and then yeah, it's just very much like a connect the dots type experience where you're following these guides and um, end up with a beautiful real life drawing.
0: Again, the app's called Lumo. It's uh, available uh, just for iPads right now? Yep, just for iPads. It, it if you've watched some of the videos online it is really cool the kids really get into this uh, again you take the ipad obviously the app is loaded on there as well tape that uh, paper on top of the ipad and then get uh, your writing instrument whether that's a pencil or sharp uh, a sharpie and uh, the audio it's like a story and it guides them through actually drawing and they're basically tracing the dot as it's drawing the different things on the screen that you can see through the paper uh And from what I understand, they they complete that drawing, but then there's connected drawings they can make that connects these drawings together.
2: Right. We designed a multi-episodic drawing, basically, where the different drawings connect together. So the left edge of one piece of paper connects to the right edge of the next, and it's a whole kind of storyline that comes together across the different drawings, kind of like a comic book strip.
0: Okay. I I know it's for kids. What what age range? Because I want to try this as, as well. I mean, it looks super cool.
2: Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really relaxing and fun for adults, but we found kids especially just love it. Um, kids as young as four, we've we we've seen success with it. The four-year-olds, their hand, their, you know, their, their motor skills are a little bit um, shaky at that age, but um, I'd say, yeah, as young as four and then probably like six to 10 is our sweet spot for kids that are just obsessed with it. Do you think it would actually teach people how to draw? yeah we thought about that we might work on that in the future doing more educational episodes versus just um, augmented reality story episodes
1: yeah but what we've seen it looks like a lot of fun and I think a lot of people would like it just just for sheer relaxation but also I think it would keep the kids busy for hours
2: yeah absolutely (laughs)
0: Uh, I have to ask about the durability of the iPad screen is there (laughs) any concern there with kids uh, jamming the pencil onto the screen
2: not really it's um, it's the hardness of the iPad screen is incredible. I think it's a, I looked at the scale once. Basically, you would need like a diamond tipped piece of metal to scratch that screen. <laughs> like you would need a key, basically. Yeah. Um, so if you're using a pencil, or we recommend the pencil, or like a thin tip Sharpie works really well as well. Um, there's not really a chance that you're going to damage the screen.
0: It's kind of cool because once they've completed the drawing, then they can color it as well if they want, kind of offline, so to speak.
2: Yeah, it's, it's one of, you know, what's one of the few digital experiences I've ever had where you are left with a true artifact of your own making. I mean, we, we liken this to guided meditation and guided exercise in the, in the sense that it's a voice and it's a guidance of a real world activity like meditating or exercising. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny to think that like guided exercise, I guess, leaves you skinnier or better looking or whatever your aim is. Guided meditation maybe leaves you calmer and this really leaves you with a real piece of art at the end of the, uh, at the end of the experience.
0: Talking with Jonathan Wegener, he's is uh, the man behind the Lumo app, a fantastic app for, for kids and the young at heart uh, that actually helps you create real guided drawings. You essentially, I know it sounds old school, but tape a piece of paper to your iPad screen and run the app. And there's uh, I guess, how many different types of guided stories are there?
2: Uh, we have about 10 stories so far. And how much does the app cost? Uh, The app's currently free.
0: How are you gonna make money? I guess just charge for additional guided stories eventually?
2: Yeah, we'll charge for packs of content, we'll charge for um, potentially an unlimited subscription and then maybe sell educational content or sell particular IPs of of different brands' content. Um, And we've also thought about potentially moving into the physical hardware space and maybe making our own custom paper sizes or um, kind of a kind of like a Google was it the Google cardboard? in the same way that that kind of like made a VR experience with very cheap materials with a phone. We thought about potentially doing something like that where we produce a, a cardboard attachment that has um, pins and uh, clothes pins and things that you need to basically append the paper to the screen easily.
0: Again, we've been talking about the Lumo app available on the Apple App Store for iPads. Paper and pencil required. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. When we come back from the break, more apps to talk about. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, we've uh, talked about uh, this uh, a little bit on the program. Windows 11 is coming in the fall, I believe October. And uh, now we're hearing word that it might not work on older machines. To help us understand what that's all about, we've got our good friend Ken Weston from the Infotech Research Group out of Toronto. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Thank you for having me. Uh, You're a big Windows guy, Windows 11. uh, Do you think this is going to be a big upgrade for a lot of people? Um, It's going to
3: be a big upgrade in the sense that it's going to be much cleaner, a much cleaner user experience. Uh, But that's if you can make the jump to Windows 11.
0: And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, From what I've been reading, Ken, uh, and it's not overly clear to me, uh, it's only going to be available to certain computer users. Is there a minimum system requirement that we know of?
3: There, uh, Microsoft has published a minimum systems requirement. The major item that's going to hold people back is that trusted platform module chip. It needs to be a TPM 2.0, and if your computer doesn't have that, then you're going to be held back.
0: And no one knows what that is, Ken. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> and even, even I kind of really don't know what that is. Uh, explain to the listeners what, uh, what computers would have that chip? Like, you know, how far back?
3: So if you've purchased a computer in say the past three years, it should have that TPM 2.0 module in it. It's just a security chip that hooks into your BIOS, or not into your BIOS, sorry, into your motherboard. And the motherboard uses it to store um, important passwords for encrypting your hard drive. Now, what computer would have it? Essentially, any business computer purchased within the last four years should have it. Um, I'm running one that's four years old, and it does. It would make that jump. But my computer that I built myself using 2014 uh, Intel processor technology doesn't have it and will not be able to make the jump.
1: And, Ken, one of the things we talked about, I think, previously when you were on was that some computers might have the chip, but it might not even be turned on.
3: Yes, yes. So we have to help uh, we have to help our grandmothers, our aunts and uncles, our parents navigate through their UFE and their BIOS to turn that setting on if they have it. They may not even know if they have it.
0: Ken, Ken no one knows how to, knows how to do that. Like okay, sure, some geek, like John and I, you know we can figure it out and obviously you can as well Ken. but I would say the vast majority of people will have no clue on where to go to, to, to do that. And I think that really speaks
3: to who Microsoft is targeting this operating system to. They're really targeting it towards gamers. They're really targeting it towards developers. They're not necessarily targeting it towards the typical user. I,
1: I think that's maybe a key point, is that you don't have to upgrade, right? Exactly. It's, it's not like this is like a major security update that you have to do. This is more of a, a, a transitional update for Microsoft to get the nerds onto this better newer platform, but also just to sort of uh, start fresh, I think, with a lot of the thinking that they've had. Because, I mean, that's always been one of my challenges with Windows is that they always have to support the legacy systems. And this is sort kind of they drawing a line in the sand, if you will, for that.
3: And they have said they will support Windows 10, I believe, for another five years. And I don't see... Like, I talk with about this with my enterprise clients all the time. They've got desktops and laptops out there that are six years old that aren't going to be able to make the jump. Well, do we migrate everyone over to Windows 11 or do we wait? And it really comes down to whether or not they can afford to get computers or whether they can even get computers with a Silicon chip shortage.
0: So Ken, a lot of listeners out there right now are, you know trying to understand (laughs) what we're talking about here Uh, you know obviously it looks like you're going to have to have a computer that's been made in the past three years in general you know is it important for people to upgrade to windows 11 should they care
3: that's a hard question uh, I'm a big Windows 10 fanboy and geek, so I would say, yes, they should absolutely care about this. Do they really need to care? Well, if we look at what that user share is right now of Windows 10 versus Android or Mac, Andro- like Windows 10 only makes up 20% of people accessing web pages according to W3 Counter. Only 20% of websites accessed by um uh, by end users are running Windows ten, everyone else is using Android. Everyone else is using Macs or iOS devices. So most people they don't necessarily need to care about this.
0: So if your machine is not capable of up being upgraded to Windows eleven, it's not the end of the world. You can keep using Windows ten for years to come.
1: Yes, and it sounds like if you're in a large company, you might be using Windows ten for a lot longer. Uh, you know, until they have a major upgrade path for your work machine. And it's not like there's some magical new secret fancy uh, functionality that this is going to bring to the
0: table either. It's not curing cancer. No, no, no. It's kind of a, an iteration in my opinion, but
1: yeah. Well, and like, like upgrading your smartphone, it has yeah. a newer, better camera. Do you care enough to pay the money to upgrade? No, not maybe always. if
0: your phone is four years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this would be kind of the same logic for your computer, really, wouldn't it, Ken?
3: Absolutely. If you're in the market to buy a new computer, buy, buy a new computer. It's probably going to be Windows 11 ready, um, and you'll be fine. If you're not in the market to buy a new Windows computer and you're only buying a tablet or you're only buying a Chromebook, then this doesn't matter to you at all.
0: So one more time, Ken, what's the name of that chip inside your computer yes. that would allow you to upgrade to Windows 11?
3: Now it's it's called the Trusted Platform Module 2.0. Yeah. When Microsoft said that they're releasing Windows 11 on October 5th, they didn't say they're going to give it to everyone. Yeah. They're going to give it to those computers that are best suited for it. And as they expand that magical secret list of what computers and what hardware is best suited for Windows 11, you'll eventually get it. You may or may not notice. You may just wake up one day and be pleasantly surprised that your Windows start button is in the middle instead of on the side now.
0: We're talking with our good friend Ken Weston from the Infotech Research Group, all about Windows 11. Uh, Once again, Microsoft's made it uh, clearer and more confusing (laughs) about the new Windows 11 upgrade. I guess the takeaway here, Ken, is just wait and see. Uh, You know, if you do have an older computer, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, if you don't have that trusted hardware module uh, and you're not capable of easily upgrading to Windows 11, you're still going to be fine on Windows 10. Uh, it is going to be made for some of the newer computers uh, out there. Is that kind of the bottom line? That is absolutely.
1: Yeah, we, we've already started to see a lot of manufacturers saying Windows 11 ready yeah. On their on the new computers that you can buy now.
0: But it's just funny, John, because we haven't talked a lot about Windows on the show, we talk a lot about Mac and iOS, you know, smartphone stuff, Android. And when we started talking about Windows 11, and I've been talking it to some of the, uh, you know, there's uh, CKNW shows, uh, how it might not uh, allow all users to upgrade. I got inundated with emails.
1: Yeah. Well, like people really care. Well, they think they need to care. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. And that's hopefully what this segment can help demystify a little
0: bit. So... Don't worry. Uh, Let's just wait to have Windows 11 come out in the fall. There'll be tools for uh, you to check if your computer is going to be compatible or not with it. And if it's not, it's not the end of the world. Your computer's still going to work just fine. Ken, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. When we come back, we are going to answer one of the questions of the universe. Why is the snooze on your phone alarm always nine minutes? Stay tuned. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected, uh, that plays across the country on the Chorus Network as well. And you can listen to the podcast versions of that and this show on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. John, we're going to answer a question for the ages. Hmm. If you have an iPhone and you set an alarm in the morning...
1: Or any, any device... It's not just an iPhone thing.
0: Why is snooze nine minutes long?
1: I've always wondered this. I used to have a very old GE clock radio beside my bed. Little, you know, the red or green sort of backlit display. And it was always nine minutes. And so I actually started setting my alarm so that (laughs) it's weird because you'd set it for like 601. You hit snooze, and then you get up at 610.
0: (laughs) Silly, but yes. I think we all have done something like that.
1: Yeah. So one of the reasons why the snooze is only nine minutes is because back when they were making actual clocks, the first clock to have a snooze feature, an alarm clock, is the GE snooze alarm. This is 1956.
0: Few years ago. Few years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. And those clocks all had very mechanical gearing systems inside. Yeah. And the problem that the engineers found is they couldn't have a perfect ten-minute snooze because they couldn't get the gear teeth to work properly. It was always always a little bit off. So it'd be um, ten minutes and forty-three seconds, or nine minutes and three seconds. Then ultimately they chose nine minutes because they could actually get a very easily reproducible gear with the right teeth to work, so that as it's sort of ticking around, comes back at nine. (laughs) And like it's that simple. It's I mean it, it, it's a mystery for the ages. Yeah. But it's it was a limitation back then, and it kind of stuck because everybody's done this. Every clock radio I've ever owned has had a nine-minute
0: snooze alarm. And that's been carried into the digital world now with Apple and the iPhone. Mm -hmm. It's a nine-minute snooze, and you can't change that. No, you can't, which is really frustrating. So we are living with the engineering decision (laughs) of the GE clockmakers back in 1956. That's right. Because they had to design the gear to be nine minutes, or they could have chosen like a 10 minutes, 43 second version. But I also read that... Um, you know, some sleep researchers say that you don't want to do anything past 10 minutes anyway, because you then have the risk of falling into deep sleep. And then it's even harder to get you to wake up.
1: I would have to say if I had to hit the snooze button for a second time, I'm not getting back up like <laughs> it, that's, you know, you're too far gone. Yeah. Especially if you have to get up for work or something. Like that. Hopefully, you know, I like to actually have my alarm go off way ahead of when I really actually need to get up. Yeah. Like I use, I use my, um, my Echo Show, which is on my bedside table, and I roll back, like I set my alarm, and I take into account the fact that I'm going to tell the device to stop the alarm, and I have a routine then that runs that reads me my morning news, tells me the weather, and tells me what my commute's going to be like. And that's roughly 12 to 15 minutes worth of content.
0: Are you awake? Sometimes. Doesn't matter though, right?
1: No, no. But the thing is, what what really sort of seals the deal though is at the end of that routine, after it's read me all the news, told me my weather, told me my commute time, it turns the lights on. Ah, um, that wakes me up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know, okay, I gotta. I now I have to get up.
0: But on Android phones, I believe you can change the snooze time. Yeah, yeah. So. Any workarounds on the iPhone?
1: There is. There's a few apps you can get. Um, Apple doesn't offer a way to edit it. So basically what you do is you would have to create a stacked set of um, uh, alarms. Yeah. And you just have to turn them all on, which is, you know, a manual, you know, frustrating process. But there is some third-party clock alarms you can get. There's um, Alarmy, Alarm Clock HD, Sleep Cycle. There's kind of a lot of different ones, but then you're you're having to run a 3rd does
0: But part- does Siri work with those? No, Probably not. No. Because that's the nice thing about the iPhone alarm is because most of the time I'm not in there with my little fingers on yeah. the app. I'm just, I'm almost half asleep, you know, asking her to set the alarm for 7 a.m.
1: Yeah. Well, and I do the same thing with my Amazon device as well. I'll just say set, a, set an 8 a.m. alarm. But if I, if I need to get up at 8.15 or if I need to get up right at 8, right, I need to be in the shower at 8, I will set the alarm for 7.45,
0: Well, I hope that uh, answers an important question. And if you don't like the nine-minute snooze on iPhones, you can blame General Electric (laughs) and those engineers back in 1956. Don't forget to hit our website on a regular basis. It's uh, up at getconnectedmedia.com. We have a really great contest uh, coming up uh, in the next uh, week or so uh, with MasterCard and their Click to Pay program. We're going to be giving away over $1,000 in MasterCard gift cards. Who doesn't want money? I know. The contests this year, John, have been off the hook. We've been giving away laptops and scooters and now $1,000. It's like the price is right. It's like Christmas. Yeah. Come early. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike and John here. Just a little bit of time left. So saw an interesting news item, John, that I'm still not totally understanding Home Depot which has been my favorite place during the the pandemic and lockdowns uh, they're coming out with their own smart home app called Hubspace
1: yeah which is interesting because they don't have their own smart home products no i mean they carry all the smart home products like yeah they've of got of
0: a they've got a great selection yeah which is why we keep going to Home Depot yeah so uh, they're apparently going to be working with several smart home manufacturers and their devices including Hampton Bay defiant commercial electric and eco smart and i I have to be honest i have not heard of any of those hampton
1: bay makes a lot of ceiling fans okay yeah okay which kind of makes sense maybe yeah but uh, this is very strange because they're they're trying to compete against google's home platform and amazon's alexa platform
0: yeah but they have a lot of money yeah (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah it's. It just reminds me of Samsung Bixby, <laughs> <laughs> and you, and everyone's like, who? <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. That's kind of Samsung Siri. I mean, it, it's got some cool features, but it's just it's, it's coming down to a two horse race, really. And I, I mean, Apple's still kind of in there with Siri, but it's coming down to Google and, and Amazon Alexa, yeah, with Apple Siri and their Apple Home, but.
1: But it sounds like they're trying to make this Hubspace app kind of like their catch-all for all the things that maybe don't support these other um, services.
0: Yeah, because like ceiling fans, I've got one, yeah. and there are some devices that allow you to control them through apps, but it just they don't work that well through Google Home or Amazon Alexa. Yeah. So this could be an opportunity there. Although arguably you could say that
1: that manufacturer could just update their stuff to work with everything. It's probably the same amount of work.
0: Yeah, we're going to look into this a little more. It's kind of a an interesting announcement. And again, uh, Home Depot, and I think this is probably down in the U.S. right now, uh, introducing uh, an app called Hubspace to manage smart home devices because uh, they are really getting into smart home gear. Yes, they They've are. They've got a good selection. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, John Beeler, my co-host and producer, and of course, Christina Stoyanova, our other producer, and the rest of the team back at the studio. Visit our website, getconnectmedia.com. We've got our podcasts up there, all our videos and blogs, and uh, stay tuned for new contest announcement coming up next week.